Welcome to episode three of the Nitro Performance Guide. Uh, this is TJ, the Nitro Performance Guy. Uh, we're here with another episode. It's going to be a special one today. Uh, we didn't have a race last weekend. Uh, we do have one this coming weekend in Vegas. This is um, the final two races of the season. We're going to have championships decided in the next two weeks. So that's very exciting. Um, this episode is just going to be primarily educational. Uh, it's going to basically focus on the, the astounding facts of these vehicles. And I think some some people know some of this stuff. Others don't. I just think it will be interesting for all of us to to just uh, go over it. Uh, so Because, you know, I break it down every week. I talk about the 3.6 whatever or 3.8 or whatever. And it's good to listen to, but if you don't really know uh, what's what I'm talking about, it's kind of like, well, I, you know, I enjoy listening to him speak about it, but I don't really know what he's talking about. So I just wanted to jump in and do an episode. Also, I do have a bit of a cold, but uh, we're going to power through it and we're going to go ahead and we're going to do the episode anyway. Uh, I'm not going to let a cold slow me down. Because uh, we're doing really well. Uh, everybody's enjoying it. Uh, it seems to be that everybody really likes this. So uh, I'm enjoying it. And I'm just I'm happy that you guys are enjoying it as well. Uh, so just a couple of things. I did want to comment on the passing of Dylan Cromwell, a crew member from Jim Head's racing team. Uh, everybody knows that the drivers stomp on the loud pedal and they, they drive the car down the racetrack. Uh, the crew guys are the ones that take it apart and put it back together after every single run. Um, so the crew is really instrumental in the way these cars work. Um, so it, I was very, very sad to hear of the passing of a um, any anybody's passing. You know, it's not just because he's a Nitro crew guy, but uh, I definitely did want to say something about that. My condolences. Um, my sincerest condolences. Uh, so I just made sure, want to make sure I said something about that. Um, moving on. Um, what's going to happen at the end of this episode is I'm going to basically preview the Vegas race. Um, that isn't the primary focus of this episode. It's more educational. Uh, I wrote down a whole bunch of facts about these vehicles um, and I think they're really cool. I, they're in no particular order. <laughs> so it's going to literally be all over the place. I told you guys the first episode is going to probably be all over the place sometimes. This is definitely one of those episodes. Um, but you enjoy the ride. I hope you do. Uh, and then at the end, we'll preview the Vegas race and talk about some performance trends that I'm seeing, uh, and get, getting us ready for this weekend. Uh, it's, going to be pretty it's going to be an exciting race um so we'll talk about that later um but first let's just jump on in with the facts here um so dragsters are famous for their sound um reaching over 150 decibels wow wow these things can be heard all around the city when they're come when they come to wherever you are they can be heard everywhere uh, if you're within 300 feet of these things when they are under wide open throttle, you certainly won't forget it. Uh, I'll say that. Okay, and that's just the first of many. Uh, but like I said, these are in no particular order. So here we go. Dragsters reach over 300 miles per hour before you have completed this sentence. That's wild. That's wild. Uh, we got 11,000 plus horsepower these days. I'm thinking it's closer to 12. Um, they took this reading a couple years ago. There is no dyno on planet Earth that is powerful enough to contain 11,000 horsepower. So what was done a few years ago is they put a torque meter on one of the cars and sent it down the racetrack. And they, they were able to get 10,000 horsepower from that. There's been some mathematicians that have, you know, did some of the numbers and said, you know, okay, this is what it takes for the vehicle to reach this speed. It would have to be making this amount of power. So currently, 
the uh, the number that is widely accepted is 11,000 plus horsepower. Uh, natural methane is the is the fuel that that these cars run in or uh, run on. Uh, top fuel refers to the fuel used. Gasoline, what powers your vehicle, your daily driver, has more power and is very much so more volatile. Nitro carries its own oxygen, however, and that's why they're able to burn so much of it. Okay, so for gasoline, it would take 15 pounds of oxygen to burn one pound of gasoline. 15 pounds. Since nitromethane carries its own oxygen, it only requires 1.7 pounds of oxygen to burn one pound of nitro. And that's where the power comes from because they're able to burn so much of it. Uh, the engines that these vehicles use, I'm not going to specify a top fuel or funny car. We'll, we'll identify the differences, but the power plant that they use is, is the same. There aren't many differences. Uh, the only differences that we can say is the, um, the headers, the pipes that connect to the zoomies on the funny cars are a little longer than the dragsters, as well as the injector hat is a little shorter on a funny car. Uh, but for the most part, they're, you know, it's the same power plant. It's 500 cubic inches. It's an adaptation of the famed Chrysler Hemi 426 elephant engine. It's supercharged and nitro injected. Nitro burns much slower than gasoline, uh, meaning top fuel cars push burning fuel into the exhaust pipes. And that is the reason for the characteristic header flames we see. Uh, it, the, the fuel is literally burning. It burns slow. So that header flame uh, is the slow burning nitro. Crazy, crazy. 15 gallons of nitro can be burned during a single run. 15 gallons. To put things in perspective, I thank Alan Reinhardt for these statistics. One gallon every 12 seconds. Just when they're sitting there idling. One gallon every 12 seconds. And under load, when they hit the gas, before they reach the first block, which is at 330 feet, which is the length of your standard football field, they've already burned two gallons of fuel in less than three seconds. They've already burned two gallons. And at that point, they're already well over 100 miles per hour. They reach that in 0.8 seconds. They're already running 100 miles per hour at the 60 foot. Incredible. 299 to 660 feet. That's half track for top fuel and 280 for nitro funny car. Incredible. They do it about, uh, for the funny cars, a, a good, really good run to 660 would be uh, 3.1 something. A uh, dragster would be 2.9 something. Uh, it, we like to see the dragsters under three seconds to the, to the eighth mile. Um, funny cars, because they're heavier, they just aren't able to do that. They don't accelerate like the dragsters do. So next is the tires. We have something about the tires here. Uh, they're 17 inches wide. 17 inches wide. These tires are massive. Massive. But they're a huge reason in why these cars are as fast as they are. If you've ever seen these, uh, these tires in person, they are massive. And Top Fuel and Funny Car use the same type of tire. Uh, and and you, you might think, wow, that is a giant tire. It's definitely up under that hood uh, for the funny cars. They use the same tires. Um, and we'll talk more about that. They weigh seven, uh, 48 pounds a piece. A piece. Um, so they also spend the entire way down the racetrack. The whole way down the racetrack. They are not one-to-one when they are under load. When they do the burnout, they're spinning the tires. When, they're hit, when they hit the gas, the tire crinkles. It expands the surface area for the car to uh, shoot forward. Uh, but all of the power comes to the back wheels. That's where the power comes from. The tire squats, it wrinkles to expand the surface area. 
and then the tire will start to do something called grow. It'll start to grow because they only put 6.5 PSI in these tires. 6.5 PSI. What's in your everyday driving? We would probably want to see anywhere from 30 to 40. 6.5. Around that. You know, they, they, they go above or below depending on what the conditions are. Um, but the, the, the tire will start to balloon because of the centrifugal force. So it'll start to expand and grow. It will liter the, tall the tire will literally get taller as it's going down the racetrack. These cars do not have any gears. They do not have any gears. What happens is a multi-stage clutch application uh, and six discs uh, are the rule. Uh, you can't have any more than six discs. Uh, but that's how they apply all of that 11,000 horsepower to the racetrack. You can't obviously put it all to the racetrack from the jump. The tires are going to jump off the racetrack, basically. Um, you can't do that. So they have to strategically slip the clutch until they go one-to-one -one at half track. That's 660. That's usually where uh, the teams will, the clutch will completely lock up. Uh, and all the levers are pulling. And all the power is going to the rear wheels, uh, to the racetrack. So, let's put this further into perspective for you. You're driving the average $140,000 Lingenfelter twin turbo powered Corvette Z06. Over a mile up the road, a top fuel dragster is staged and ready to launch down a quarter mile drag strip as you pass. You have the advantage of a flying start. You run the vet hard up through the gears and blast through the starting line and pass the draster at an honest 200 miles per hour. The tree goes green for both you at that moment, for both of you at that moment. The draster launches and starts after you. You keep your foot down hard, but you hear an incredibly brutal whine that sears your eardrums and within three seconds, the dragster catches and passes you. He beats you to the finish line a quarter mile away from where you just passed him. Think about it. From a standing start, the dragster has spotted you 200 miles per hour and not only caught, but nearly blasted you off the road when he passed you within a mere 1,320 foot long race course. Wow. Wow. It's a controlled, gradual application of power. Okay, so again, this is going to be all over the place. I warned you of that. Uh, so next, we're going to talk about these wings. The top fuel wings are five feet wide. Uh, they produce 600 pounds of downforce under load uh, and 3,000 on the front wing. Incredible, incredible. Uh, the dragster's tubing. 4130 chromoly tubing, very light material. Um, so at the step of the throttle, the engine ramps up to 8,400 RPM, uh, but it obviously doesn't stay at that the entire trip down the racetrack. Uh, and that, uh, that also goes into the application of the power with the clutch. Um, they take sometimes up to 25 degrees of timing out of the engine out of the engine and if you listen when and you can hear this on tv if you've never been in person the engine will kind of dip down it'll kind of like you'll hear them leave at full song and about a second or so after they leave the line the engine will come down and that's because they need the tires to get to the right shape at this point the tires are growing at this you know they have to get through the shake zone what's called uh, it's usually like uh, 200 to 400 feet is a shake zone. Every track is different, so uh, it could be a little bigger or smaller depending on what track we're at and the conditions. Um, but they have to get the car through the shake zone. Uh, if you don't apply enough power, you're going to shake the tires. If you apply too much too quickly, the tires will literally, the, the car will literally stand up. Uh, funny, it's just the same for funny cars as well uh, because there's not enough downforce on the car at this point in the race. So what happens is the car will just jump off 
or it'll just almost looks like it jumps off the racetrack. It doesn't, of course, but the tires will just grow so exponentially with that lack of downforce because they're not at speed yet and they smoke the tires. Um, so that that's that's a really cool fact. Um, so 900 engine revolutions under load. So from start to finish, that's what they need to be able to survive. When they hit the gas, the engine only revolves 540 times from the light to the other end of the racetrack. 540 times. Incredible. Uh, the dragsters, 300-inch wheelbase for the top fuel car. They're 30 feet long. That's 25 feet, 300 inches from, um, that's just the tires or from, from tire to tire. Uh, but the dragsters are actually 30 feet long and they're almost eight feet tall. They are massive, massive vehicles. Uh, the funny cars are a little bit closer to what you would see on a passenger vehicle. However, <laughs> uh, that 125 inch wheelbase, it's under a carbon fiber uh, body weighing no less. It cannot weigh less than this, this, this uh, weight that I'm going to give you here. 260 pounds. It can't weigh any less than that. Uh, and that's including the parachutes, the windows, the uh, the pin work, the, the struts under the, uh, the body, as well as uh, the parachutes. I don't know if I said that already. Um, so funny cars are closer to about 10 feet. Uh, but you, if you walked up to a funny car, you would be much taller than, well, not much taller, but you would be taller than the vehicle is uh it, it's incredible to see how low to the ground these cars sit they have to have two inches of clearance by rule uh top fuel is the same way but when you walk up to a top fuel car it's massive truly massive vehicle um so and, it, and it's even crazier to think how quick they are the kings of the sport they accelerate Quicker than anything on planet Earth. Quicker than the space shuttle. These giant 30-foot long, 8-foot tall vehicles shooting flames as they scream down the racetrack. So let's talk a little bit about those flames. Uh, Nitro burns yellow. The spectacular white flame seen above the stacks at night is raw hydrogen. Disassociated from the atmospheric water vapor by searing exhaust gases. So the header flame, we'll, and we're going to do a whole different episode about specifically just the header flames. Um, but they appear white because of the hydrogen. Uh, on They've said that they are 10 feet tall on the top fuel cars. Uh, there's not any way that we they can measure those. Uh, but it's definitely between 8 and 10 feet for, for top fuel cars. The, the flames are a little taller on the dragsters. Uh, and the funny cars, when you stand up next to a funny car, it's definitely shooting over the roof. So that would be taller than your average human. The flame is coming from about two inches or three inches from the ground, shooting above the roof for a funny car. Because of the acceleration that these cars are under, the Flames only stand up at the top, at the step of the gas. They stand up, and then as that four consistent 4G acceleration continues, the flames kind of sit back. So when they're going through the lights, the, the air and the, the, the forces that are against the flames push them back. So they kind of lay back, but they're still very, very large, especially as they're starting to put more fuel into the car as it makes the trip down the racetrack. That makes the flame bigger because they're burning more fuel. Um, it, it, it's incredible that you can literally see the internal, uh, the internal mechanics of the motor on the outside. The flame tells the story. It, it really does. Um, so I just think it's important to talk about the thousand foot national records. That wasn't a great segue, but it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. So top fuel 3.623 at Reading. Uh, that was a couple years ago by Brittany Forrest. And the top speed in Top Fuel was also set by Brittany Forrest uh, at 
miles per hour. That was in 2019. Uh, so in Funny Car, we have 3.793. And that was done in Brainerd, 2017, by Robert Height, who also possesses the national speed record at 339.87 miles per hour. That was done in Sonoma, California in 2017. So a little bit more about the details of the vehicle. Uh, these cars have two 44 amp magnetos. That is what supplies the spark to your spark plugs. Also, they have two spark plugs per cylinder. Two spark plugs per cylinder. Um, so it's equivalent to an arc welder or arc. It, it, it's, I don't know how many of you weld. I don't personally, uh, but that's a lot of power. And to think, to even think that with two magnetos, 44 amps a piece, two spark plugs in each cylinder, it is possible for the fuel to overcome that spark. And that's why we, when we see the drop cylinders, that white fluid that's coming out of the pipes, that's fuel that overcame the spark because they're forcing so much fuel in these engines. So it is possible that, you know, it's called drop cylinders because there's no fire there. It's just liquid. That's the actual nitromethane being forced out of the pipes. Incredible. Um, top fuel and funny car pumps alone require more horsepower than a streetcar produces. So I, I didn't say that quite right. But what I mean is to spin the supercharger to turn the vehicle on requires up almost a thousand horsepower just to spin the supercharger. Just to spin the supercharger. They start the vehicles on 87 octane gas, that same stuff you put into your vehicle. That's what starts a top fuel car. It starts on alcohol because it is 90% alcohol, 10% cut with ethanol, alcohol. So a lot of the teams will run just under 90. I don't know of anyone that runs exactly 90. Some of them uh, run 89.7. I mean, we're talking tenths of, of things here. Uh, and the same way with the tire pressure. When they, when they change the tire pressure, which happens up until they make the run, they, they deal in tenths of PSI. Truly incredible. Um, yeah, it takes almost 1,000 horsepower just to start the supercharger, just to spin it, just to spin it. Unreal, unreal. So just a little bit more about those spark plugs. They actually burn away during the run. Yeah, crazy. And the engine is still going. It's dieseling from compression through the finish line. Incredible. Like there's no spark at the end of the run. And they're still on. They're still making noise. They're still going down through there. It's incredible. Um, exhaust, the exhaust valves are glowing at 1400 degrees Fahrenheit, 4,350 Fahrenheit at the flame front. What? That's incredible. That's incredible. That's hot. That's hot. I mean, it is fire. It is real fire, though it does not appear to look like real fire to, to our eyes. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, when we do our flame episode, but what your eye sees is it doesn't look like a real flame when you look at it. It's, it's quite amazing. The exhaust producing, okay, and we already said this a little earlier about um, the acceleration causing the flames to sit back, uh, but it can cause that giant eight to 10 foot head of flame to lay back as it's going through there. Uh, but let's talk about the acceleration. In order to achieve the times we see in nitro, the cars must accelerate an average of four G's. So they never stop pulling. And sometimes you'll hear the drivers talking about it. They don't stop pulling as they go down the racetrack. And when they kind of stop pulling uh, towards the finish line, they that's when they know something might be wrong. They might have dropped the cylinder or something else. In order to reach 200 miles per hour, well before 660 feet or half track, the launch acceleration approaches eight G's. To put this in perspective, a top fuel car 
parked next to a Super Hornet jet on the steam catapult on the deck of an aircraft carrier would be sinking before the Super Hornet was halfway down the deck. Wow. Truly incredible. These things accelerate like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they get to 60 foot, the 60 foot mark in under a second. So uh, I don't know if you if you're able to, but look 60 feet in front of you and just imagine going 100 miles per hour from a dead stop. These vehicles don't roll into the line. They are leaving from an idle. They hit the gas and 60 feet later at 0.8 seconds. They're going 100 miles per hour. Wow. I, we understand, I understand why some of the drivers say, yeah, I, I, I'm behind the car. My brain was 100 feet away or behind me. Yeah, that's acceleration. That is acceleration. Okay, so let's talk about the funny car bodies. We haven't talked much about them. So fielding a funny car team would be about $2.6 million per year. Now, I'm not sure how up-to-date this stat is, um, but... That's about how much it costs. It costs more to run a funny car team than it does to run a top fuel team. And it's because of that body. That carbon fiber Kevlar uh, body costs $70,000 a body. For one body, $70,000. Wow. It must be made of special four element graphite weave per NHRA an SFI spec. The shell is designed by the manufacturer. It's wind tunnel tested uh, and we they have to try and compromise between aerodynamic drag as well as downforce because we need that. We need both of those but not too much of one. Uh, it's lightweight. It's aerodynamic pseudo replica of a production car. Uh, currently in the NHR we have Chevrolet, Dodge, Toyota, and Ford. Uh, so we got some Ford Mustangs out there, Toyota Camrys, uh, Dodge Charger Hellcats, and uh, the Camaro SS currently in the funny car class. Uh, and again, I kind of said this earlier, the weight of the body all include, includes all of these things here. Windows, internal structure, pin work, rear wing, and parachutes. I don't think I said rear wing earlier, but yeah. So all of that in a very, very compact, lightweight package. So we were kind of talking about earlier how they take the timing out to get the, the tire to create the correct shape. Uh, so they're able to continue applying the power gradually as they go down the track. Um, like I said, that 11,000 doesn't really hit until half track because that's when the clutch goes one to one. And that means all of the power is going to the rear wheels. Um, they're trying to get that RPM back up to 8,200 8, to 8,400. Um, I watch uh, Clay Milliken's amazing show from on YouTube. Uh, and we hear Mike Klober talking about how it takes for a car, a nitro car to run 330 anything, we have to get that RPM back up to 8,400 at the end of the racetrack. So I thought that was an incredible stat. And that's, you know, something that a lot of people don't know. So um, you'll hear the engines going back up at the end of the run because they take the timing out. They start applying the power again. And then you'll hear the RPM start to kind of ramp up. Um, no more than 9,000 RPM, though. That's where they redline. Um, and then booms happen. That's not good. <laughs> uh, that's funny the way I said that. <laughs> All right. So sometimes when it's a humid day, uh, the rear wings of the top fuel cars, we don't ever really see these on funny cars, but they're equally as sharp cutting through the air. Uh, the spill plates on either side of that big rear wing on the top fuel car, you sometimes on humid days when there's humidity in the air, you can literally see the wing cutting through the water in the air. And you'll have a vapor trail coming off of the top of the wing on each side of the spill plate. What? Acceleration so visceral and so 
you know, there's so many forces on these vehicles as they go down the racetrack. The chassis are flexing for the dragsters. That's they don't have any suspension. So that's natural. That's that's something that they do natural. That's weight distribution. Uh, the three thousand pounds of downforce on the front wing and the six thousand on the rear wing keep the car planted. Because I don't know if you if you've noticed, they kind of look like airplanes. If there wasn't for that big rear wing in the back, they take off. They just fly away because that that's what, you know, the downforce keeps them on the racetrack. But what happens is you see them travel down the race course is you'll see the drags just kind of flexing. And that's what they want. That means the power is going to the rear wheels. The acceleration is happening just as the crew chief expects. That's what that's what they want, you know. But with those comm trails that come off the engine or the, uh, the the rear wing, the acceleration of the vehicle plays a huge part in that. Um, so I just think those it's very cool to see two dragsters going down side by side with both cars having the uh, the comm trails coming off the back wing. Uh, it's very cool. I've always liked it. Never knew what it was when I was a kid. Uh, but that's why you grow up and you, you you do research and you learn about what is that? What's happening? Um, so. That's literally the vapor in the air. Stout. Unreal. Unreal. So we talked a little bit about what the dragsters do as they're glued to the racetrack. Uh, there are no ground effects for these vehicles. It's not allowed by the NHRA. Um, the front of the body kind of acts as the, the front wing on a top fuel dragster. Uh, it is designed to drop down to the racing surface for that downforce. Um, two thousand pounds of downforce on the nose uh, to get the the uh, air to go uh, up and over the race car and there's four thousand pounds of downforce on the rear wing for a funny car wow wow um here's another one the exhaust headers create an additional 800 pounds per cylinder of downforce Per cylinder, per cylinder, truly incredible. So a couple years ago, I believe it was Jack Beckman's team, yeah, that discovered the, the layback headers. That was truly a fun era to watch. <laughs> uh, and that's the era that Robert Height ran that 339 at Sonoma. And basically what they were doing is they were taking the headers that were fairly straight up and down they were leaning them back and literally using the car's exhaust as thrust and it created some of the most entertaining drag races that we've ever seen uh you know the the funny cars they they usually do this anyway they were tapping the front left wheel you know which are actually one-to-one -one with the racetrack we talked about how the rear uh tires are not the front wheels on both vehicles are, uh, but the, it was literally skimming, skimming as it goes down the racetrack. They were doing wheelies at half track. So NHRA stepped in and said, okay, guys, we got We got to put some type of, you know, rule on this. Let's stand the headers back up or like create some type of rule. You can be no more than 45 degrees. And, you know, the times still were, were fast. I mean, look, the crew chiefs, anytime there's a rule change, the cars will kind of suffer a performance, uh, you know, drawback for a little while. But then the crew chiefs will eventually figure out how to get around that. And, you know, you'll start seeing the, the fast times again. Uh, we haven't quite seen a 338 run since uh, from a funny car, but we have seen it in top fuel. Uh, we saw 337 this season. We saw, we're seeing 334, you know, popping up on the boards. Funny cars are routinely in the 330s uh, or, or upper 320s. Anything above 320 miles per hour is stout. It's very stout. So we've talked about the acceleration. We've talked about some of the incredible engineering uh, in these vehicles and we've talked about a lot of some of the things that happen as the cars are going down the racetrack it's incredible to know just how many things are going on as the car goes down the racetrack in under four seconds all of these things are happening it's truly incredible 
I would definitely not say that it's a stabbing steer. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, electronically. There's a lot going on mechanically uh, in a little amount of time. Uh, not to say that one class is better than the other, uh, but I always like to address that. Um, it There's a lot of forces on these vehicles as they're going down the racetrack. So it's certainly more than just stabbing and steering. Uh, and that's just my take on that. Um, so we talked about a lot how these cars get to the speeds that they get to. Um, let's talk about how to stop these things. How do you stop a car that's moving at that rate of speed? How do you stop it? Well, as they're affectionately known as air brakes or the giant parachutes that they deploy at the end of the race. Um, negative seven G's. So we got eight at the stop at the step and another uh, eight or nine or, or seven, eight or nine, depending on how you pull into the parachutes. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, it depends on how how you know how much G you suffer when you go through the line. Uh, they also have carbon fiber brakes that work better as you know as they heat up. The hotter they get, the better they work. Um, you certainly don't want to just be relying on the brake to stop, but sometimes there are parachute failures where the parachutes don't deploy or it's ripped. You know, I, we've seen, I've seen uh, at the end of the racetrack, they, they've showed a replay where, you know, John Forrest, for instance, pulled the parachutes, his parachute slaps the wall, and now that parachute is broken. So now he's got to stop the car. This was at Pomona, which is one of the more short, uh, shutdowns on the tour um, got the car stopped there are safety measures in place but you know the drivers certainly don't want to put it in the kitty litter as they call it uh, which is the sand trap at the end of the racetrack that's the absolute last resort we got to get this car stopped um, comes with a little bit of a late night for the crew but at least the driver's safe and the vehicle has stopped um, so about the parachutes they are truly massive uh, I actually was wanting to do a little research with uh, Stroud to see just how big they are when they blossom, uh, but I didn't hear anything back from them, uh, which is fine, totally fine. Um, so they're dual parachutes. There are two parachutes. There was some experimentation with a third parachute with Dale Worsham a couple years ago. Um, dual parachutes are needed uh, when the car is going over 200 miles per hour. Per NHRA's rule, if your car exceeds 150 miles per hour, you got to put a parachute on the back of it. Um, so the model of parachutes that they use, it's uh, 450 slash 470. The 470s are for the dragsters and the 450s are for the funny car. Uh, but again, similar speed, similar vehicle weight. Um, you got to stop that vehicle. You got to stop the vehicle. Um, the dragster weighs less than your car weighs. I just wanted to put that in there. The vehicle weighs 2,330 pounds. That's less than the car you drive. The funny car is a little bit heavier, but it's still less than the car you drive. It's incredible. But to stop a car like that, uh, some, some drivers, um, they drive into the parachute, so to speak. Or they're going through the uh, finish line with the header flame still up and the, the engine still singing and they drive into one parachute. I know Tony Schumacher does that. And then later uh, down the shutdown area, they will pop the second one. Uh, some, it just depends on the driver. It depends on the situation. Um, but there are very few drivers that pull up into two parachutes uh, because it's, it's hard on, on the body. I mean, seven negative G's uh, at least. Uh, we were, they were talking about, uh, you know, how some of the, the legends of the sport um, were getting detached retinas because of the negative G-forces that are on these vehicles when they are decelerating. Uh, but that's the most important thing with these vehicles. I always tell people when I introduce them to the sport, as impressive and as amazing as these vehicles are, not, none of that is more important than getting the vehicle stopped and that driver getting out of the race car. Nothing is more important than stopping that vehicle. OK, uh, we've had some situations in the past, one of which is the reason why we race at a thousand feet. Uh, rest in peace to Scott Coletta. 
Um, you know, th there was a situation in, in uh, English town where he couldn't reach the parachutes and he went off the, at the end, he went off the end of the racetrack and um, succumbed to his injuries. And at that point, NHRA turned it from, you know, quarter mile drag racing to uh, thousand foot racing. I mean, they were just covering too much ground too quick. I mean, look, just look at the things that we've said in a thousand feet. It's possible for that vehicle from a dead start to reach 337 or 330 anything, you know. So the the paramount objective is to stop the car, period, period. Uh, but the, the, the parachutes are huge. Um, so I like this. I, I, I did really enjoy this episode kind of rattling through some fun facts about these cars, these bad ass hot rides. Uh, you know, they blow my mind every time I see them on TV, you know, just seeing what they do. I mean, nothing's, there's nothing like being there in person. Um, you know, with the season about to end, uh, there's not many opportunities to see the vehicles left this season. But in 2022, it's definitely going to be something that you might want to check out. Uh, we're seeing a lot of great things happening for the sport. A lot of good things happening. The drivers coming back. Sponsorships. Um, you know, NASCAR guys coming over. Uh, the independent teams coming out and, and showing up and winning. You know, not just showing up and, you know, putting up their trailer. They're coming out and winning rounds. That's what we want to see. As a fan, you don't want to see the same person winning every week. No shade. <laughs> no shade. Uh, you got to beat them. You got to beat the Torrance kid. You got to beat them. You know, if you want to see someone else win, you got to beat them. And that's what we see in Funny Car. Like, they can... Anybody can win. Anybody can win on any given day. And that's why they don't run them on paper. I love when Reinhardt says, you know, we 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 don't have provisional polls or anything like that. I could win the race the previous week, be the Nitro Funny Car champion. I come to the next race, and for whatever reason, I don't get down the track three or four times. Guess what? I didn't qualify, and I won the race last week. So it's a very right time, right place kind of sport. It's a very high and low kind of sport the highs are so high and the lows are so low you know you know you heard alexis last week she said it's a mental sport it 100 is it 100 is but that that's a great segue into uh talking about this upcoming race this weekend so going into the race this weekend um we see a lot of cars performing well uh, a lot of the funny car field is performing really well. Getting down the racetrack, um, we see the top five in points pretty much still have a shot. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not going to do specifics and points and stuff. I don't do that. Uh, I, I'm looking at the performance trends of the top five vehicles in the funny car class. They could all win a race. You know, as of late, John Force has kind of fell off. Uh, Robert, but look at Robert Height. You know, he's not in the top five. He's number seven, I believe. But that, that car can always win. You know, I, I say it to people all the time. If Robert Height can come out and have a terrible weekend qualifying, he can win the race. We've seen it. You know, um, time is running out. Time is definitely running out. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of big speeds on the top end. Um, Tasca height you know with matt hagan and ron caps those cars have put on shows everywhere they've gone uh you know i still go ahead go back to when they were here and they ran side by side at 332 one night on friday night and then the next night on saturday they run side by side down there at 333 in both lanes both lanes so the performance of the vehicles are present and then we see that same race, since we're talking about it, Ron Caps runs the quickest ET of Funny Car at the time with an 85 on race day. We're seeing a lot of quick ETs on race day. Uh, a lot of this is low ET of the meet or big speed of the meet in the first round or just on race day, period. Like last week, we saw some of the 
We didn't see 334 in qualifying, but we saw it on race day a few times. Uh, but the conditions play a part in that, of course. Um, but we're seeing a lot of, uh, in top fuel, we're seeing a lot of sub three seconds to the eighth mile. A lot of it. We're not just seeing uh, Steve Torrance and Brittany Forrest going down there running sub three seconds. We're seeing Salinas. We're seeing Justin Ashley. We're seeing a lot of cars going down through there running really well. And if you're sub three seconds to eighth mile, you're running really well. Uh, big speeds on the top end, uh, but they we got to see them at eighth mile first. Uh, Billy Torrance last week, 296 at the eighth mile. So from a standing start, Look 306, or I'm sorry, look 660 feet in front of you. He'll be running almost 300 miles an hour. It's it it's just it's baffling. It is incredible. It really is. Um, so we're seeing a lot of cars that are still in it now. Obviously, the time is running out. We got points and a half at um at Pomona. We're, we're really seeing some points battles that can really be decided by a round or two. Uh, I saw a interview with David Grubnick, the crew chief of the Monster Energy top fuel car. He's still, they're still going for it. You no, know, and he also said, you know, we we have no reason to change our, our program right now. Their program is to go out and set low ET, get those little points. They've stayed afloat because of those little points. They've not won as many races as Torrance has, but they're they go rounds. They get to at least the semifinals, or they they make it fast past the first round, and they also get those little points for quick of the session. Those add up. I mean, it's just three points, but they add up. You know, so it's hard. You know, you could say, well, you know, it, that's not twenty points. That's not uh, you know round wins on race day, and you're absolutely correct, but. There's multiple ways to do it and get points these days. And, you know, so the fact that she's still even competitive right now is is incredible. But I think that also is a testament to the parity that we've seen in the class this year. The first time in a long time that we've seen, like, you know, you know, other people winning. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those those Torrance haters, because they are out there, you know, that are tired of seeing him win. Um, my job is just to report what I see. And if you want to beat him, you got to beat him. You know, take your destiny into your own hands. Let's line up first round Sunday at Vegas, and let's decide this now. Who's going to go into Pomona with the advantage? Um, so all of these questions are yet to be seen. Um... Oh, something else. The 60-foot times in both classes have been really good. Like, they're getting the cars moving very, very quickly, uh, which is good. You know, by 60 feet, it's 0.811, I think, was last week's quickest uh, 60 feet. Came out of uh, Steve Torrance in that number one qualifying effort. 0.811 to 60 feet. You know, I think the quickest we saw last week with uh, Funny Car was... 0.868, uh, which is still very good for a funny car. You got to factor in that it's a shorter wheelbase. It's a bit heavier. Uh, they don't accelerate like the dragsters do. So that's why you see those those times are different. Um, but with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed making it for you, uh, even though I sounded uh, a little snotty, uh, but I'm going to do my, my podcast because I love doing it. And, uh, and and people love it. People are really liking it. Um, so I'm happy to make it for you guys. Uh, like I said, this episode was truly all over the place. Uh, but as I said in the first episode, and I'll say it every single episode, these cars are all over the place. And so am I. So with that, like we ended last week, I want to end with some of my music because I am a classically trained musician. Um, so I compose music. What? Really? He likes drag racing and he composes? Yes, I do. I do. So like last week, we're going to end with a little bit of my music. And I hope you enjoyed that as well. If you made it this far, I thank you 
for listening. And uh, again, I said it last week. If you're listening to this during the day, you have a good rest of your day. And if you're listening to this at night or whenever you listen to it, you have a good rest of whatever. (laughs) Whether it's the day, the night. Um, Because I do truly love coming on here and talking about drag racing. The cars that I truly love. Um, So, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. My name is TJ. I'm the Nitro Performance Guy. This has been another episode. Episode 3 of the Nitro Performance Guide. Entitled, Get to Know the Nitro Cars. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.